Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 743 on WaveScan Today the first radio broadcasting station in the Marshall Islands. We'll be talking with Dale Stagg, the CEO of Reach Beyond Australia, and our Bangladesh DX report. The largest atoll in the Marshall Islands in the Western Pacific is Kwajalein, with its 97 islands and islets, its total land area of just six square miles, and its population of more than 13,000. The name Kwajalein is the German rendition for the island name in the local Marshallese language that identified the people who harvest pretty flowers. Here's our story now from Ray Robinson. Thanks, Jeff. The atoll named Kwajalein is located almost in the center of the Marshall Islands, In 1875, a typhoon struck the area, producing an eight-foot storm surge which drowned the entire population. Clean water is processed on Kwajalein Island and shipped to various locations in the atoll. During the Pacific War, the Japanese operated a naval radio station on Enubu Island, also known as Carlson Island, which is located adjacent to Kwajalein Island in Kwajalein Atoll. On May 10, 1943, an American submarine photographed the radio station, with its two self-supporting towers more than 100 feet tall and 250 feet apart. On February 1, 1944, American forces attacked Kwajalein Island with what was described as the most concentrated American bombardment in the Pacific War. Even to this day, the wreckage of many airplanes and ships is still seen scattered in numerous locations throughout the entire area. Five days later, the Americans occupied the entire atoll, and several photographs were taken showing the Japanese radio station. The two towers had been demolished, and the strongly built two-story radio building was badly damaged, though still standing. The Americans renovated the entire radio facility and returned it to the air with Japanese and American radio equipment. During the American post-war atomic tests in the Marshall Islands, the station was noted in Australia on 8080 kHz, and it was noted in the United States under the callsign JCC on four different shortwave channels. The callsign JCC seems to indicate a Japanese radio station, though in reality the three letters were an abbreviation for an American designation, the Joint Communication Centre. In 1946, the American authorities on Kwajalein operated an aircraft homing beacon radio station in the medium wave band on 1245 kHz with the callsign MC. That station continuously broadcast the letters MC in Morse code, and at 5 and 35 minutes after each hour, it carried weather information in voice mode. The well-known Merv Branks in Invercargill, New Zealand, received a QSL letter verifying his reception of the 5,000-mile-distant medium-wave station, MC. 
the first radio broadcasting station in the Marshall Islands was installed on Kwajalein, and it began as a small 50-watt unit without an official call sign in a radio repair shop in May 1944. A staff of 11 forces personnel were recruited from many different island locations. Then on July the 4th, 1944, the station was given an official call sign, WXLG, and was inaugurated as the first AFRS station, Armed Forces Radio Station, in the Western Pacific. It had one kilowatt on 1440 kilohertz. It was housed in an acoustically treated Quonset hut, immediately behind the outdoor Richardson Theatre on Kwajalein. Because of the saltwater pathway in every direction, the station was often heard over wide distances, including in Australia and New Zealand. You are listening to the voice of information and education in the Marshall Islands. WXLG, Kwajalein. Hi there, folks. It's time for Johnny Johnson and the Night Watch. We have the very best recorded music, jazz, and popular. If you have any requests, call them in. Let's start the evening off just right with Joe Stafford. The original transmitter was a 1 kilowatt Hallicrafters unit, model BC610, built in Chicago, Illinois. The Hallicrafters company name was a combination of two words – the owner's name, Halligan, together with handcrafters, indicating a quality manufacture. During its early era, the Armed Forces Radio Service, AFRS station WXLG on Kwajalein, was an individual unit of the Pacific Ocean Network, which received relay programming on shortwave from California and Hawaii. In January 1945, for example, the American Army Communications Station in Hawaii, station WTV, was noted in Australia on 9175 kHz with a program relay for all stations in the Pacific Ocean Network. And then in February 1945, the medium wave transmitter location was transferred to nearby Carlson or Enubu Island with a new 500 watt transmitter. Initially, AFRS stations with a four-letter call sign beginning with the three letters WXL were located in just the Gilbert and Marshall Islands, though subsequently additional Pacific territories were added, including Guam, Wake Island and Hawaii. The fourth letter in a WXL call sign indicated a specific station, such as, for example, WXLG on Kwajalein. Additional programming for WXLG was recorded on discs that were flown out from AFRS headquarters in Los Angeles, California, though the daily schedule on Kwajalein included a considerable amount of locally produced programming. There were also daily off-air bulletins of radio news from the BBC in London via the BBC shortwave transmitters at Daventry. The on-air slogan announced by WXLG Kwajalein was The Voice of the Crossroads. During a 13-year period running from 1946 through 1958, the United States conducted a total of 67 nuclear tests in the Marshall Islands, and station WXLG was one of the key communication stations for those earthquaking events. In May 1953, 
a new one kilowatt medium wave transmitter was installed, and soon afterwards new studios were installed in the Recreation Services Building 805. In 1960, the operating frequency was changed from 1440 kHz to 1220 kHz, and in 1978 to 1224 kHz, in accord with the new international radio regulations. The first FM transmitter, a 100-watt unit, was installed in the same Recreation Services Building 805 in 1968. The usage of medium wave at AFRTS Quadulin was dropped seven years ago in 2016, though FM is still operational to this date in 2023, now as AFN, the American Forces Network. For a few years in the early 1980s, a local FM relay station was installed on Roe Nama Island, some 50 miles north of Kwajalein. Originally, Roe Nama was two separate islands joined by a shallow and narrow sandy isthmus, right up on the northern edge of the Kwajalein Atoll. American personnel earth-filled the causeway, thus effectively joining the two islands into one. A subsidiary American radar installation was established on the conjoined Roe Nama Island, supported by more than 100 personnel. The FM translator on the double island carried a slave relay with the same program feed as WXLG, AM and FM on Kwajalein. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. This is Reach Beyond Australia. Greeting our listeners in Japan... Reach Beyond Australia began broadcasting on shortwave to the Asia-Pacific region in 2003. Although until 2014, the station was known as HCJB Australia. Reach Beyond's Asia-Pacific broadcasts reach countries in South Asia, Southeast Asia, and East Asia. Regular programming for the South Pacific concluded in October 2015, but may be resumed in the future. Strategically, Reach Beyond's programming priority is South Asia, India in particular, Myanmar, formerly Burma, and Japan, but this does not exclude other destinations. During our recent visit to Sydney, Australia, we had the opportunity to talk with Dale Stagg, CEO of Reach Beyond Australia, which, by the way, is organizing the B23 HFCC Shortwave Frequency Coordination Conference, which will take place in Queensland, Australia, in September of this year. Dale, to begin with, Reach Beyond Australia, uh, some people, it was formerly HCJB Australia, right? It was, Jeff, and, and good to be here with you in, in Sydney. It was HCJB, and uh, our organisation globally transitioned to a new name, that of Reach Beyond, some years ago now. Uh-huh. And uh, tell me how, this, how Reach Beyond Australia, or HCJB Australia, came to exist in the first place. Uh, well, originally HCJB in Australia was uh, a representative body of the, um, I suppose, the Home Office in, in the US, or HCJB was established in Ecuador, as, as you know, and had a big facility down there, uh, but was planted through the vision of people coming out of the US in or 1931. 
And so uh, countries like Australia and New Zealand gradually appeared on the radar as, uh, as having offices or people that were representing HCJB in Australia. But in the early days, we had no particular infrastructure of our own. And when you first started up, it was shortwave, right? Uh, yes, yeah, shortwave. So we, uh, I suppose, as it's turned out, we've, we've uh, taken the baton of the shortwave part of the organisation. But uh, Was HCJB Ecuador uh, shortwave still on the air at the time? They, they were, yes. Uh, but we, we sort of had an inkling that, that uh, time was limited for the Ecuador operation. Uh, but my predecessor had a, uh, a vision to establish a facility in Australia because... Uh, we had some great, or do have, a, a great location in the northern part of Australia for reaching the Asia-Pacific region and beyond. So he pursues the, pursued that vision, but at that particular time, we really didn't have much of an idea that Ecuador would, some years later, uh, not be there mm-hmm. as far as a broadcast facility. Yeah. Now, at the time, uh, Radio Australia had two or three transmitter sites in here, right? Mm, yes, Radio Australia had a strong shortwave broadcasting operation uh, up until fairly recently. Mm-hmm. But Kununura was, your site uh, was built from scratch? It was, yeah. So Kununura is in the far northwest of Australia, in Western Australia, and uh, is quite a remote area. Uh, it's, it's out back. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were gifted a, a parcel of land uh, back in around 2000 uh, of a couple of hundred acres. And we established a smaller version of what we have now uh, on that site. Uh, we were one of the first non-government organisations to be granted licences to establish shortwave broadcasting in Australia. And was it difficult to get a licence in those days? Uh, it was. In those days, there was no licence for non-government broadcasters. What, uh, what facilities uh, then did you establish? How many transmitters and antennas? Mm. Well, we started with, uh, with two, two transmitters uh, on the smaller site and uh, we had uh, just uh, two, two antennas, two or three antennas, uh, smaller versions. And remembering, I'm not the tech guy, Jeff, <laughs> so, uh, but they were very basic uh, a- antennas on our 200-acre site. Um, and uh, they were not, um, yeah, they weren't very big antennas. They were serving a, a need for us at that particular moment to reach the Asia Pacific. And uh, then 2012, I was, well, I started in this role in 2009. Mm-hmm. And uh, several years at that point, we were gearing up to transfer our operation to a bigger parcel of land. So uh, when I came on board in this role, we were signing off on the lease of, um, or had previously signed off on the lease to a larger parcel of land about a mile and a half up up a track uh, that connected to our property, uh, 1,500-acre property roughly, uh, that we lease from the government to this day. Uh, But we obviously only occupy a small portion of that, but it was just that that was the size of the block of land that was available to lease. And so we have 1,400, 1,500 acres uh, of uh, not really productive land, but uh, on a small portion of that, uh, we have our new transmitter facility or broadcast facility. Mm-hmm. And now you have three transmitters? Uh, three HC100s. Uh, we um, brought the third one on board some some years a- a- ago and brought that out from, from Elkhart. Uh, and um, six main antennas, uh, antenna structures. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So all three transmitters were built by the uh, the HCJB uh, site in Elkhart, Indiana. They are, yes, uh-huh. yeah. So been refurbished, rebuilt, uh, particularly the third one. Uh, we put a lot of uh, finances into into having that refurbished. It was going to end up being a DRM transmitter, but but uh, is is now operating well as an analog transmitter. Mm-hmm. And what are your main target areas? Uh, certainly, the Asia Asia area. We we still broadcast to Japan. We we would always we were always saying that Asia Pacific was our was our focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still broadcast to Japan every day, uh, but our the, the core countries that uh, or the main countries that we're reaching uh, at the moment or concentrating on are India uh, and uh, nearby countries such as Nepal, Myanmar um, would be our main focus. What about China? Uh, no, we were broadcasting to China uh, up until probably four or five years ago, mm-hmm. uh, but w- we uh, figure that our colleagues in Transworld Radio, mm-hmm. FEBC, they are they are broadcasting many hours in into China, and we felt that was really only a minor part of our broadcast, and so we uh, we stopped doing that so that we could focus on uh, these other countries that we felt were not being uh, reached as much as. Um, by other countries, other broadcasters. So how many languages uh, do you broadcast? About 25 languages uh, at the moment. Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. And we're look, we're not a big broad. I don't. You know, we're not a broadcasting all day, every day. We're looking at 50 hours uh, a week, uh, 25 languages. But uh, over the, you know, I've focused on through my team in in really. Uh, Really focusing on that country, those countries, those areas of those countries where we felt uh, was um, more important to us to be reaching, and not as we used to say in the in the early days, we we don't want to be just blowing smoke. Um, we want to know that we're reaching into uh, parts of India, the remote and rural areas of those countries, uh, where we are, um, you know, we're, we're fulfilling our our vision and mission. Now we're in Sydney now, but you're actually based in. Uh in Melbourne, right? I am. I'm from Melbourne, born and bred uh, in Melbourne, but but get to visit our broadcast site three or four times a year, which is, uh, it's a, if you want to drive up to our broadcast site, well, you've got to set aside at least four or five days to, to get up there and back. Wow. Uh, it's uh, 4,000, more than 4,000 k's from, from Melbourne, kilometres, wow. uh, or Sydney. Wow. And, and do you produce programs in Melbourne? Uh, no, we don't now. We used to do some production in Melbourne, but we really have uh, um, intentionally built up our international team so that nationals are producing the content uh, that we, we then broadcast back to that country. So India, for example, we have a couple of terrific Indian teams. Uh, they put together the content, um, upload it on our servers, so, and uh, we broadcast it back to, back to India. Okay. And uh, similarly with uh, Myanmar, Nepal, uh, countries like that. Do you see uh, a big audience in places like uh, Myanmar where there's a lot of things going on right now? Yeah, Myanmar is a, a tough, tough location at the moment. And, uh, yeah, we have uh, several teams that we work with uh, across Myanmar mm. uh, producing content for us. and. And uh, seeing good results. Uh, again, we, we focus on the more rural areas mm-hmm. as well um, and try to avoid the, the crowded static of capital cities. Mm. Uh, but, of course, our program is, yes, we are a, a Christian broadcaster, but our, and every, all of our programming comes out of that uh, faith-based philosophy, that um, Christ 
Christ follower philosophy um, or ethos. Uh, but what we try to do is uh, our programming is very eclectic. Uh, so we, we produce programs that focus on health, you know, basic principles about health and well-being, mm-hmm. programs for youth, for men and women um, that are very topical. Uh, as well. Uh, so we, we, we seek to feed the whole person in a way. Mm. Do, you, do you have any programs in English? Uh, we do still still uh, broadcast in English. Uh, we don't produce those programs ourselves. Um, but yeah, a small portion of English program. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you are affiliated obviously with uh, Reach Beyond in, in the US as well, mm. right? Yeah, so there's a number of uh, Reach Beyond entities around around the globe, including the obviously the US, uh, but we all operate as independent entities. We all have our own boards of governance, but we just recently uh, affirmed our partnership, I suppose, through a partnership framework in that we are committed to working as a team and we will continue to do that. So um, I, I like to, to often use the, the term centres of excellence. I see that uh, with it, within each Reach Beyond region or office uh, we all have certain skills and abilities that we bring to the table and uh, and for reach beyond in australia it's it's through shortwave and other forms of media because uh, shortwave whilst it's not going away anytime soon um, it's one tool in our toolbox so we also look at producing content for distribution through um, digital tools and mobile phone technology mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know we you see what i've learned in this job jeff is you don't dismiss or discount what sometimes we could regard as old technology uh, Mm -hmm. because what goes around comes around Mm -hmm. and uh, in one of our other offices uh, around the world they're producing um, comics uh, as well uh, in various Mm -hmm. languages and they uh, they're seeing a a great acceptance uh, of those so So you still see a, a bright future for shortwave uh, at the moment, yes. Uh, I mean, ten years ago, we, you know, we'd talk about, well, we we need a plan, we need a plan, an exit strategy uh, for when shortwave is coming to the end of its lifestyle. Well, we're ten years on, and uh, we're still having that conversation uh, around, well, when's when short going shortwave going to be not viable, or where where when when is it going to be hard to justify shortwave as a as a uh, one of our main tools in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. That was Dale Stagg, CEO of Reach Beyond Australia. We spoke with him recently in Sydney. And we'll have more of that conversation on an upcoming edition of WaveScan. Now it's over to Salahuddin Dalar for our Bangladesh DX report. Dear listeners and radio hobbyists, welcome you in May 2023 edition of Bangladesh DX report in WaveScan. This is Salahuddin Dalar from Ratshahi, Bangladesh. Glad to be back and thanks for listening. The receiving log of different radio station, May 4th, Radio Holly Tibbat. English program was heard at 1620 UTC on 6110 kHz. This code was 444. Overcomer Ministry with Brother Stairs Christian Lecture was heard at 1640 UTC on 15400 kHz. This code was 333. May 5th, China Radio International. Savali News by Wael was heard at 17007 UTC on 15125 kHz. They say code was 343. Voice of America English program was heard at 
Radio Romania International, Romanian service playing song Umbrella was heard at 1720 UTC on 15 to 00 kHz. The SI code was 333. Radio Filipinas, Tagalog program playing music was heard at 1734 UTC on 15190 kHz. The SI code was 444. Ibra Radio, Arabic service, discussion between OM and YL was heard at 1736 UTC on 15 to 60 kHz. The SI code was 433. Adventist World Radio Guam, Korean service, YL song was heard at 1740 UTC on 15530 kHz. The SI code was 444. Vatican Radio, OM talking in Tigriana language was heard at 1742 UTC on 15565 kHz. The SIO code was 343. May 6th, BBC Al Sila Dari program with radio drama was heard at 0845 UTC on 21470 kHz. The SIO code was 343. Burma News International Al Dhabba reporting in Burma. In Burmese dialect by while was heard at 1340 UTC on 21710 kHz. The SI code was 444. Voice of Maldives news by while in Dibehi was heard at 1700 UTC on 1449 kHz. The SI code was 323. May 7th, Reese Beyond Australia Christian religious talk in Rohingya language was heard at 1140 UTC on 11905 kHz. The SI code was 444. Barba News International report in Burmese dialect was heard at 1145 UTC on 17730 kHz. The SI code was 433. We want to thank Mr. Pradeep Chandra Kundu from Tripura, India for sharing his log with us. If you have any comments and suggestions, and send your reception report to the following uh, to the following email address dxbangla at the rate gmail.com the address again dxbangla at the rate gmail.com okay i will come with more dx news in the next edition till then take care saladin dollar ratshahi bangladesh thank you saladin And we end today's Wayscan with music from Australia by John Williamson and Lee Kernagan. Island of Oceans. The rock is in our blood, free as an eagle, strong as a river flood, proud as a cooler bar, as fresh as the ocean breeze. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, the radio scene on Garbage Island and our ancient DX report from 1929. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, KVOH in California, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. 
Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone.